What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Wednesday, February 24th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where we've been working from home for so long that we no longer recognize ourselves without our Zoom blemish filter. Yeah, I don't know who this lady is with all of the wrinkles in the mirror, but yeah, I would like to see myself, please. I have been disturbed that there's been an old man in my house for weeks now. (laughs) (laughs) On today's show, Australia refriends Facebook, then some headlines. But first, the latest. The events I witnessed on January 6th was the worst attack on law enforcement and our democracy that I've seen in my entire career. I witnessed insurgents beating police officers with fists, pipes, sticks, bats, metal barricades, and flagpoles. These criminals came prepared for war. That was former Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund testifying in a hearing yesterday about the January 6th attack at the Capitol. He was joined by the former House and Senate sergeants-at-arms who were there to address how and why this happened. The day had a lot of finger-pointing about what went wrong. So Gideon, what were your main takeaways? Yeah, finger-pointing was definitely one of them. Uh, And, you know, another is that all of these former chiefs were saying that there were intelligence and communication failures leading up to this. And at certain times, it got into the various former heads trying to actually absolve themselves in different ways. So on the communications and intelligence front, all three said they hadn't seen a report from an FBI field office that warned how bad this could get. That FBI report was first brought to light by the Washington Post actually after the riot. And Sun said that it was forwarded to Capitol Police, but not to him directly, that it ended with the department's intelligence division. Mm. Um, Does it make a lot of sense? And then the D.C. police chief, Robert Conti, said the report was received, but that, get this, it was, quote, just an email, which kind of seems like the opposite of this meeting could have been an email energy, like needed to be more urgent. Uh, He seemed shocked that, you know, a warning like that would come in that form. Yeah, I don't know if he was expecting Paul Revere or what, but uh, (laughs) emails should be read. Um, Well, they also (laughs) talked about why it took the National Guard so long to respond. So what was their explanation for that? Yeah, so they said the Pentagon was slow to get the National Guard out as backup. Here's a clip of D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti talking about that. At 2.22 p.m., a call was convened with, among others, myself, leadership of the U.S. Capitol Police, the National Guard, and the Department of the Army. I was surprised at the reluctance to immediately send the National Guard to the Capitol grounds. Yeah, so he's saying there that there was some reluctance around the 2 p.m. hour. And then just for reference here, the National Guard showed up at around 540, which was after most of the violence had subsided and a lot of the rioters just walked away. Uh, According to Politico, as a result of Conti's testimony there, Senators Peters and Klobuchar are calling federal officials to a hearing next week to answer more questions about what went wrong. Yeah, and you also mentioned that there was some absolving going on. So can we explain that part a little bit more? 
Yeah, there was this one chunk of the hearing that was kind of confusing, but it, it gets at this. So senators were trying to figure out some of the timeline questions of the day. And this part centers around conversations between Capitol Police Chief Sund and Paul Irving, who is the former House Sergeant at Arms. So Sund testified that they spoke on the phone at 1.09 p.m., which was after rioters had broken through the Capitol security perimeter. And Sund claims that was when he asked Irving for the National Guard assistance, so that early in the day. Here's Senator Blunt asking Irving about that. Mr. Irving, you said in your testimony that when asked for National Guard assistance, you approved it. Uh, Mr. Sun stated that he asked for the National Guard assistance at 109, and you approved it was approved at 210. Why would it take an hour to approve National Guard assistance on your part in that moment of crisis, Mr. Irving? Senator, from my recollection. I did not receive a request for approval for National Guard until shortly after 2 p.m. when I was in Michael Stanger's All right, office. Let's, let me get that straightened out. Mr. Sun, do you know when you asked for National Guard assistance? Was it 109 or was it 2 p.m.? It was 109, sir. Yeah, so a lot of confusion there about an hour of time that was important. Um, and as we can hear, Irving doesn't agree with the Sun's testimony. He went on to claim that the request would have been approved right away if it had been made at that time. They were also then asked to provide phone records to try to resolve this, but this really felt like the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme at this point. Totally. Goodness gracious. Well, it still feels like there's a lot to resolve and pin down. Yes, uh, but a couple of things were made clear throughout the day. This testimony was speaking to the fact that these folks who testified believe that the attack was coordinated and not just random people getting too rowdy, as some Republicans have tried to portray. Also, Ron Johnson went further by reading a Federalist conspiracy theory, but I won't waste our time like he wasted theirs. Uh, yeah. And the second takeaway, that the threat of domestic extremism has to be taken more seriously. Mm -hmm. Also, overall, the day was just another reminder of how serious the insurrection situation got. Just harrowing stuff. So a lot more questions going forward. Congress also had a bunch of other business yesterday, hearings on vaccines, which we'll get to in the headlines, and some Biden cabinet appointments. So let's do a quick update on those. Yeah, so the Senate confirmed Linda Thomas-Greenfield as U.N. Ambassador and Tom Vilsack as Agriculture Secretary. There was some controversy before all this around Vilsack for his recent work for big agriculture and concern from groups like the Independent Black Farmers Coalition, according to Vox. But he went through, so that's two more cabinet officials in place. Uh, then there were also hearings for Deb Holland, Biden's nominee for Secretary of the Interior, and Javier Becerra, who has been appointed to HHS. There's more to say on those two. Uh, Republicans tried to make the hearings contentious. Yeah. So we'll come back to that uh, another day as hearings continue. But let's turn to an international story that has to do with our favorite social media company, Facebook. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you'll remember that Australia is proposing a law that would make it so that Facebook and Google would have to compensate some of the news outlets that give the platform content for, you know, doing that. You'll also remember Facebook blocked all news content from appearing on their site in Australia in response to that proposal, because in the year 2021, Zuck thinks paying people an exposure is enough. Well, <laughs> the update is that Facebook has now unbanned news on its platform in Australia, and it's not out of the goodness of Marky Mark's heart, but rather that Australia made some hefty concessions because they just can't quit the book. Yeah, down under, it's the same here in that sense. Uh, this <laughs> is a nutty story that we've been watching. The newsfeed in Australia was just blank for days because of this. So yeah, let's talk about these concessions. 
Well, at the 11th hour, Australia's government basically said that if Facebook could prove that it has signed a substantial number of deals with media outlets to pay them for the content, then they would no longer be subject to the law. Basically, Facebook just has to negotiate in good faith, and in turn, they won't be forced to pay outlets any sort of standard rate. Facebook also will now have a month's notice to comply when the law is passed, so a lot could happen in that month, which is good for Facebook and the mm-hmm. company's global VP of partnerships said that Facebook will reserve the right to simply stop allowing news if they don't like something the government's doing, which is a lot of power for a site that was created to rate the hotness of college age women. But I digress. <laughs> that is brutal uh, to remind us <laughs> all that's where we are. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Google was also targeted by this law and has also been negotiating deals to pay media companies. So a little notch for media companies. But yeah, Google and Facebook still seem to have all the power and the money. Yeah, it's always going to be the case. It is horrific. Well, similar laws are being considered around the globe, including in France and Canada and even in the EU. But considering that Australia didn't get what they wanted, uh, it'll be interesting to see who can strong arm Zuck into paying for content. We'll keep following this story, but that's the latest. Wednesday Wad Squad, and for today's SimCheck, we're talking about lunch policies in France. Last week, the Green Party mayor of Lyon introduced a measure to serve only meat-free lunches to primary school students as a way to make things simpler during the pandemic. The policy was slammed by members of France's government, including the ministers of agriculture and the interior, who described the move as, quote, elitist and, quote, putting ideology on a plate. This isn't the only French lunch scandal that we've seen earlier this month. The government relaxed a policy that banned French employees from eating lunch at their desks. The law always served to ensure workers got real breaks during the day, but in the context of the pandemic, it interfered with social distancing. So Giddy, my question for you. Do you have any lunch laws or policies you abide by in your own personal life? None recently. I mean, the only, because I'm, are we eating lunch with people now that don't earn their home? No. Yeah. <laughs> the big answer is not quite. <laughs> when, when was the last time I had to have any modicum of uh, decency or decorum oh, at a yeah. lunch? <laughs> not not yeah. ages. <laughs> um, so... The, the recent laws and policies have been, is it fast and accessible uh, in my kitchen? And yep. in in some cases, is it possible to um, stand and eat it even before we choose what we're going to stream while we eat? Those wow. have been the, the strict codes. So you've been sharing your lunch with like streaming platforms <laughs> like that's that's been your lunch partner these days? Yes. Uh, you know, if we're right in the middle of an episode from the previous night, we may have gotten tired. We're like, oh, what exactly happened there? Yeah. Easy to finish over. That's over really a, cute. I like that for sandwich. you. That's like a really good little thing you all do. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's a well, I mean, you know, I'm mostly like kicking it at home alone during <laughs> these moments. So <laughs> it's not it's not very uh, it's not very exciting or inspiring, but uh, that's the way it is. Yeah. Well, you know, I I like that. I like that you're making time for lunch and uh, not sitting at your desk. You're sitting somewhere else. (laughs) Yes. To be clear, this is all happening. Like the stream would continue after the food is eaten. I am a Mm. remarkably fast eater. Um, Oh, I remember. (laughs) We used uh, to work together in an office. (laughs) Correct. Correct. Um, No further details will be explained until they are run through my lawyer at this time. Uh, So same question, Akilah. 
what lunch laws or policies are you trying to abide by? Uh, okay, so the truth is I eat breakfast really late, so I don't think that I eat lunch. Like, I just mm. don't think that that... Like, I usually have a big old bowl of magic spoon. They did not pay for this placement. It's just <laughs> the food that's in the house. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like I typically end up eating that around 11.30 or 12, so it's like what I'm gonna eat lunch five minutes later like I don't know what to do um but in the times that I have like been up early enough to have an actual lunch similarly it is just like the leftovers of the food from the night before like I do a lot of ordering dinner not proud to say but I do it and so I order enough that there's like leftovers for another day you know I try to stretch it um and so that's that's my vibe is I guess my only policy is order enough food the day before so that you can have leftovers the next day if lunch is your thing i'm much more of a eat all your calories at night and then like have heartburn kind of girl that's that's my vibe 100 percent agree uh with everything that was just said yeah i i feel like i always get to six or seven and i'm like i'm so hungry what have i done and it's like totally. that happens every day and yet like i will not change any habits that i have <laughs> right yeah, everyone gets the worst of my personality. I'm like the first part of a Snickers commercial <laughs> until around yeah. 8.30 p.m. And then I'm like, all right, let's, we're good. You know, I, I'm a likable person. I just can't eat during the day. It's a, it's a real problem, but we make up for it. I got a lot of ice cream and a lot of, you know, ordered food. <laughs> It'll do it. Well, you know, it's all edible. And just like that, we've checked our temps. Stay safe. Maybe have better lunch habits than me. Uh, we'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, Books promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. The police officers responsible for Daniel Prude's death last winter will not face criminal charges. A grand jury in Rochester, New York, made the decision yesterday. And last year, the officers were shown on body camera pinning Prude onto the ground until he stopped breathing. At the time, Prude was experiencing a mental health crisis. A separate investigation found that police officers and the city worked together to delay the release of that video by six months. New York Attorney General Letitia James said she was disappointed by the decision and that she will push to reform the state's use of force laws and mandatory de-escalation techniques. Yesterday was also the tragic anniversary of the death of Ahmaud Arbery, a black man who was killed by a group of white men while jogging in Georgia. Arbery's mother filed a civil lawsuit yesterday against all the men responsible. The Biden administration opened its first facility to house migrant children yesterday. White House officials claim the emergency facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas, is needed to house an influx of children crossing the border, and so there can be social distancing in the broader network of health and human services facilities. Immigration lawyers and human rights groups criticized the decision, arguing that temporary facilities like this one have been known to offer subpar living conditions and lack transparency about how they operate. This isn't the first piece of disappointing immigration news under the Biden administration. Just last week, Biden's Department of Homeland Security released new guidelines governing who the agency should consider a priority for deportation and immigration enforcement. The ACLU responded that the policy gives too much discretion to ICE officers and is a step back from Biden's earlier commitments to fully end harmful deportation practices. There is a new way to eat 100 different animals at the same time. It is called the McDonald's Crispy Chicken Sandwich, and it comes out today at locations nationwide. What a preview. Uh, The sandwich is McDonald's entry in a fight for the best Southern-style fried chicken sandwich that began in summer 2019. That is when Popeye's released its sandwich, which became a viral hit and sold out within two weeks. I think we can all remember packing into a car with our 10 best friends and passing around one single sandwich back when this behavior was normal and acceptable. Uh, Popeye's success clearly influenced McDonald's, and by summer of last year, their new chicken and pickles sandwiches were ready to launch until the notoriously sandwich negative pandemic led them to delay release. Burger King is working on their own crispy chicken sandwich for release later this year. And Taco Bell is also stepping up by trying to convince us all that a thick tortilla wrapped around creamy fried chicken is not the exact type of thing that will cause alien societies to blow us up with no mercy. It is a risk I am willing to take. Taco Bell's crispy chicken sandwich taco will be tested in Tennessee and North Carolina in March before its national release. 
creamy fried chicken is just the worst. <laughs> what is the cream? All right. I also in major product releases yesterday, drug companies Pfizer and Moderna told lawmakers that they expect to deliver 140 million vaccine doses by the end of March, which would be a huge step up from the rate they've been going at so far. The drug companies said their investments in manufacturing have allowed them to shorten their production time. An FDA decision to recognize overfill in Pfizer's vials as a sixth dose has also led to higher output. Drug companies failing to meet delivery schedules has been a huge obstacle to the vaccination effort so far. It would be nice if we could just inject ourselves with positivity, but sadly, that <laughs> treatment isn't FDA approved yet. The single shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine is expected to be authorized for emergency use as soon as this weekend, which will also speed things up, though only 2 million doses will be available immediately, putting the company behind on its commitment to deliver 12 million doses to the U.S. by the end of February. One way to catch up is to start raiding private islands to see where hedge fund managers and CEOs are hiding their doses. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start lapping up the pool of water from Jeff Bezos's house because there's got to be some vaccine in there. I just know it. Yeah. I'm ready to drink it. And those are the headlines. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe. Leave a review. Spare us if you are aliens and tell your friends to listen. <laughs> And if you're into reading and not just vegetarian children's lunch venues in France like me, what well, a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And it will we'll save you some Bezos, Bezos pool, pool water. water. I mean, I'm sure it tastes very expensive. Yeah, little gold flakes in there, I've heard. <laughs> I'm going to super soak it out the window if you walk down the street in front of my house. Yeah, I hear you come out younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's never been in the pool. <laughs> Today is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Katie Long, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Hey there, Brenda. It's Carol. Exactly. So which leg are we operating on? You mean arm. It's all connected. Asking the right question can greatly impact your future. Are you sure you're an orthopedist? Actually, I'm a Sagittarius. Especially when it comes to your finances. Do you have a question? Are you a certified financial planner? Yes, I'm a CFP professional. CFP professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm Jessica Reeves, and I've been analyzing and reporting on extremism for the last 10 years, and I have the gray hair to prove it. Subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, for an always eye-opening look inside the daily work of exposing, fighting, and disrupting all facets of extremism. My co-host, Oren Siegel, and I explore this ever-changing landscape and bring you stories of people and places impacted by extremism, those who fight to protect our communities, and those who offer new perspectives. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts.